Hello, everybody, and welcome in to No Middle Madness, a podcast about Texas Tech basketball. Speaking of Texas Tech basketball, we are less than 24 hours removed from a huge Texas Tech victory over the Texas Longhorns at home. Tech won the game 79 to 77. It was an absolute roller coaster. We're going to get into all the details. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Mainville. I'm joined by always by my co-host, Emery Lida. Emery, how are you feeling the day after? Well, for starters, I've had to catch up on some sleep because uh, it was a couple hours after the game of just looking straight through basketball reference because, man, what a crazy ending that was. What a crazy overall game. I'm excited to talk about it, man. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I've been just this shocked and amazed by a single win over the course of a year. Um, So, Ryan, starting out this UT recap, as most people know by now, Texas Tech was able to win 79-77. to It was not a clean game, to say the least. Tech was down for most of the night. The average deficit was something over five points, and somehow they still won. What are your initial thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, it was crazy. There's a lot of very weird numbers from this game, a lot of stats that show up that don't really make sense. Tech was down by 10 at halftime. They allowed 48 points in the first half. Tech's defense was averaging 58 points allowed per game before this game. And Texas had scored 48 points in 20 minutes of basketball. It looked effortless for them at times, especially Andrew Jones, who was just hitting everything he could see. I mean, Texas as a team, they shot 13 for 25 from three in the entire game. Andrew Jones and Matt Coleman, they combined for 31 points, but then they really cooled off. Those 31 points came in the first 23 minutes. Then they only combined for two points in the last 17 minutes. Tech utilized one of their greatest strengths. They got to the free throw line a lot. They also made a lot of their free throws. They shot 22 for 28 from the foul line. UT, a disgusting 18 of 31 from the line, including some that were late in the game. This was a third straight game where Tech had at least 79 points and 1.1 points per possession. That's the first time that's happened since 2018-19 season. Tech also shot 7 of 19 from deep against a team that was holding opponents to 27% shooting. And this Tech team has been considered a bad shooting team for the majority of the season. I mean, Emery, what is this game and what do all these really strange numbers do? I mean, in terms of a season outlook and kind of looking at a top-heavy Big 12 conference? Well, this is a game that you really needed to stay in contention in the Big 12. I mean, we've talked all week about splitting the games would be a huge win, but specifically knowing that Baylor's coming up, and we'll get into that preview in a bit, getting that win over Texas, especially in a close one, is something like if you want to finish top two or three in the Big 12, you have to have. And, I mean, it wasn't pretty for a lot of the night. UT shooting over 50% from deep is not something that I expected coming into the game. Andrew Jones, phenomenal player, was able to knock down basically whatever he wanted from downtown in the first half, especially on off-ball looks. I think some of that was maybe uncharacteristic mistakes from Tech in terms of missed rotations and poor closeouts. But also, UT's ball movement was phenomenal in the first half. And just Tech's ability to really bow down defensively and basically buy time for their offense to get going in that second half was something that really gives me hope going forward. And I look at, they only had seven, Tech only had seven assists on the entire night. And up until 10 minutes left in the game, they were at about three assists. And that was really kind of crazy to watch because if, in all honesty, most games this year, it felt like Tech maybe missed some easy looks that other teams could have made. But in this one, it was really just them hitting tough shots to stay in it. And then the offense finally clicked. And I mean, that's positive going forward. I don't think many teams are going to shoot 50% from three. I mean, the last time that I can think of that that's happened on such high volume was the 2019 Oklahoma State game. And all the Oklahoma State hit 17 threes on over 50% efficiency. I mean, we know how hard that was to come out with a win. So 
It's certainly a game that I look at as a building block. I mean, Tech's by no means perfect at this point, but you look at just all the crazy anomalies that happen in this game. And I mean, I'm still wondering how in the world Tech pulled this one out. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think that this was a big win because I think it did two things for me specifically. First, it just showed that this Tech team is a legitimate Big 12 contender. I've felt that way since like, the end of last season that this team was going to be really really good i mean now you you've suffered some adversity you had a big early loss you have had two players walk away from the program you've dealt with one of your players being out for the first half of the season because of an injury and you're just kind of clicking now i mean you've battled some inefficiencies but here you are you're, you're starting to put it together and this is tech is starting to climb to their peak and this is a team that I think can be really good in this conference. There's going to be a lot of really good teams in this conference and tech should definitely be one of them. The second thing it did for me was just show that you probably shouldn't break down into an uncontrollable panic whenever a team starts slow, especially in a pandemic. There's been a lot of that. I think it's also just the age of social media and how we share information that causes a widespread panic, but this team is fine. They were always going to be fine. And I think now they're they're really looking stronger than ever. But I mean, specifically in terms of the end of this game and how Tech was really able to pull it out, I noticed a couple of things. The first was that Kai Jones did not play well. We mentioned that Tyreek Smith could play him a lot. Tyreek Smith didn't play as many minutes as I think we both were thinking. Um, but Kai Jones still only had three points in the game. That was huge. Their bench had like zero production. I think they had like seven total points. Tech capitalized on a lot of turnovers. They had a 19-0 to zero advantage on points off turnovers. That's huge. Veteran players did their thing. Uh, McCuller, McClung, Edwards all played huge, huge minutes in the clutch. But, I mean, where it came down for me was Mark Adams. And I'm telling you, Mark Adams is, I mean, he's a mad scientist i'm gonna have to edit that out but i mean he is a mad scientist so tech is down 77 to 75 with 46 seconds left they could have played that last possession straight up they still would have had plenty of time for a last shot and they still had a timeout but you could see in the timeout before then that mark adams was telling something to beard and he was probably saying let me run this pressure trap that I've been experimenting with all season. We haven't seen it in a while. I don't remember seeing it in a while. Um, maybe they played it a little bit at the end of the Ohio Iowa State game. But, I mean, it's a risky, risky scheme. It can burn you. And all Tech needed to do was get a stop and then get the ball back. But, I mean, he dialed it up. Kyler Edwards got a steal, practically ripped it away from the inbounder, which was just hilarious. And, I mean... That That's where the game was won, in my opinion. The shot by McClung was huge, and it deserves to live in infamy. But, I mean, that adjustment by Adams, that won the game for me. What do you think about that? Yeah. It's something that I had noticed. Reeland was a little bit puzzled by for a while in the last couple of games. It's like you said, Tech really hasn't used that aggressive bit of trapping and just general pressure defense that we've been accustomed to kind of dialing up different looks in the full court sense. But I think, I mean, Mark Adams, man, the fact that they were able to get that in such a huge situation, I mean, you could tell Texas was not prepared for such a look, and they really couldn't afford to waste. I think they only had one timeout at the time. And, I mean, Kyler Edwards, great instinctive play on his end. I mean, if you watch kind of the close-up, you can see that he sort of gave just that little bit of glimmer into – baiting the passer and thinking that he had a bit of an open lane. I mean, Adams going to that trap look really, really just ended up saving Tech's game, in my opinion, because the possession before was an offensive foul on Jamari Spurton, and it was a two-point game. And really, I mean, it wasn't that hope was lost. I mean, you were basically thinking at that point, go for the tie, send it to overtime where strange things can happen. And yeah, I mean, Mark Adams, you really can't say enough. I mean, architect of an all-time great defense. He's got great instinctive coaching ability. 
I mean, just waiting and waiting and waiting to use that pressure until the last possible second is just something that I really look at. And I also think, though, you have to look at all of the individual players in this one. I mean, you're always going to talk about Mac McClung when you talk about this game going forward. He had 22 points on 6-14 shooting, hit a ridiculously and a ridiculously tough final shot to win the game in isolation, which I think everyone knew was coming. Um, then you had Kevin McCuller, who had a hyper-efficient 16 points and eight rebounds and only 25 minutes of action, overcoming a bit of foul trouble to end up making a huge impact. Marcus Santos Silva had 12, and in a good sign, he really wasn't played out of the game like I think some people might have anticipated. And then you have Kyler Edwards, who for a lot of the night was either anonymous or getting lots of criticism by not only just Tech fans, but people in general, and hit two big threes down the stretch on spot-ups and then had four total stocks, which, as we mentioned last episode, is stop, or steals and blocks. And then obviously you have to mention the instinctive play you made right at the end and then flipping it to TJ Shannon for an easy layup. So, Ryan, what did you think about each individual player and like what kind of stands out to you there in those stat lines yeah so i think edwards edwards gets a lot of criticism and i think it's because everyone knows just how good he can be and you know he's gonna have off nights and he started this game over four from the field and he just did not look good he he didn't look like he could be on the floor almost for that final few possessions just because he was so empty offensively. But I mean, the last few minutes of that second half, two of three uh, from three point. I mean, those are huge shots ended up leading the team in plus minus at plus seven. I mean, he's a huge, huge player. He has veteran leadership. He knows when to step up. I mean, criticize him if you want, but I mean, this guy, is, he's the most experienced player on this team. He is one of the best guards in the conference for good reason. I think it's only a matter of time before he starts putting it together more consistently. I think this game just showed how much confidence he has late in games. Obviously, Mac McClung, I mean, the shot, that's that's really all there is to say. I know he had a really good stat line. I know he had another efficient night from the floor, but I mean, the shot, come on. Calling calling your own number like that. The the bones of the motion offense, which is the scheme that Texas Tech runs, is letting players play. And that played out in like the grandest fashion on that final possession. Beard had a timeout. He could have called it and he could have drew up a play like he did against Kansas, but that didn't work. It didn't work. Terrence Shannon went right when he was supposed to go left, and maybe it cost him the game. This time, Beard holds his timeout. He lets Mac McClung call his own number, and he makes the biggest shot of his, arguably his career so far. And then, I mean, you have Kevin McCuller. I know he put up a good stat line. The thing that stood out to me with Kevin McCuller was how good his jump shot looked this game. I mean, he was knocking down pull-up jump shots from the mid-range from three like it was nothing. That was not in his bag last season. It just wasn't. He had multiple threes in this game. I think he had two. That's only the second time in his career that he's done that. If he keeps doing that, he's an all-Big 12 guy, easily. A lock. Yeah, I think McCuller had a really huge impact. And like you said, the jump shot is crucial because it gives Tech another option in terms of spacing and just having him out there and you always know with McCuller he's a really smart player he's not going to make a lot of those kind of dumb plays offensively I would say and knows really how to play within a role and play a variety of different roles I mean we've seen him we saw in the Iowa State game a lot of him taking primary ball handler assignments throughout the game and this one he was very much more of an off-ball type of player for until late in the game where he had a huge coast-to-coast drive to bring it within two points. I mean, you look at some of his stats, I mean, the advanced stats jump out. So he had the highest VPM, box plus minus, of anyone in the game. And he was one of three tech players within that rating over two. I mean, McCuller's maturation is something that's very impressive to me because I think I've always thought that his shooting ability was something where maybe if he 
wasn't injured so often kind of coming into tech and then at points last season it was something maybe he could develop a little bit more because he's had he's always had that sort of um inclination to shoot like his form doesn't look bad by any means and there have been times when it's looked like he'd be a lot better shooter than he is and i think maybe we're seeing that come into fruition and as for kyler edwards i mean i'm just i always think that a lot of times kyler's confidence is what really dictates how he plays because when he plays aggressively there's no reason he can't average 14 15 maybe the efficiency suffers a little bit but you have to wonder i mean in a in a game like this where he really he really couldn't get anything going the ability to still show up and make multiple big plays in this one is just i mean that's that takes a lot of maturity and leadership from Kyler and I think I'm excited to see how he continues to develop with this team not necessarily because I think from a pure like player perspective he has a ton to work on in in the sense of like getting shots up or figuring out how to run offense but just in the sense of figuring out how to fit in and kind of find that fine line in between being too aggressive and being too passive because I think that a lot that had a lot to do with his slow start was he missed a couple of shots where he was passive early in the possession and ended up only having three, four seconds to chuck a tough shot. And he missed another one or another two shots, really. One of them was a dunk and the other was a contested three. Or maybe you could have just waited and pulled it out for a better possession. But still, I mean, I'm huge on Kyler. And then finally, I left Mac McClung for last because I think that's why you go out and get a Mac McClung. It's not because of any one trait that he possesses. He's a great scorer, obviously. He's got, in my opinion, underrated play hand or playmaking ability and some good defensive traits as well in terms of be- being an instinctive player and being pretty good in on-ball. But what stands out with McClung is he is fearless. And I think in that situation, we've seen Tech run some inbound plays that haven't worked out. And Beard trusting McClung to get himself a shot with good separation and not even, not only that to knock it down is something that really just shows why Mac McClung is so important to this program. I think going forward, I mean, you're going to have shots like that where he misses and I'm sure people will criticize him at some point, but I mean, you trust a guy that has that much confidence and you certainly trust someone that can score that effectively. Um, with that said, there were some concerning stats about this one. You had only seven assists, and Terrence Shannon kind of came back down to earth a little bit, shooting one for eight. Now, I'm not necessarily one that looks at that as something that's necessarily a bad thing, because taking a lot of shots in volume is some is something that you kind of want to see from a player that's developing a three-point shot. But is there anything with that that concerns you, or are you just kind of fine with having those occasional off games offensively in that sense? Yeah, so I'm not really like full fledged panicked about anything that I've that I saw from this game. I think statistically, you know, you were out rebounded. That, I mean, you you want to win that battle every night because usually the team that wins the rebounding edge is the team that wins. But I think the thing for me is actually not something that shows up in the box score. I think there were a lot of blown defensive rotations in this game. And uh, Jericho Sims had a couple of really easy baskets at the rim. I'm talking wide open. Like there were times where tech players just didn't look like they knew what their assignment was. And that just can't happen if you want to win big 12 games. I think they're they're pretty fortunate that they got away with the win after doing that. I think I, I counted like three times that that had happened in this game. And I mean, you know, you're going to have one or two mistakes a game, but got to keep your rotations tight. Got to know what your defensive assignment is, especially, you know, heading into a week where you're playing a team like Baylor. I mean, is there any stat that's that's really keeping you up at night from this Texas game? Not really. I think... In all honesty, I mean, there's a couple of things. The assists you would like to be a bit higher. And then, like you said, anecdotally, the rotations I thought were a big reason why UT 
shot really well. Like I compared it to the Oklahoma State game a few years ago, but I think the biggest difference in this one was Tech or Texas was able to get in a really good rhythm because of the quality shot they were getting. I mean, you were miss you kind of missed a few rotations out of the three point line. And I think that's something against a team like Texas, it's hard to defend a team that has three great ball handlers and positive shooters at that. And I mean, some of it you're going to kind of look back on and say, well, maybe it was just sort of a team that has unique traits to them. Like having those that many good ball handlers and a guy like Greg Brown, that's kind of a unicorn in the sense that when his shot is on, he can hit contested deep shots. That's something that you're not going to see with every team. But I mean, just in general, staying more disciplined, I trust that Chris Beard and Mark Adams are going to be looking at that film. And even though Tech won, it's always a process-driven um, culture that's been preached in this world. And I think just having that ability to continue to improve, be more, have better chemistry defensively, and just, I mean, the fact that you were able to win this game, even though a lot of the key indicators like rebounding, like shooting, like assists, didn't go your way, really just speaks to the hustle. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that can translate going forward because you know tech is going to play a lot better and they're going to need to in order to beat Baylor which is coming up this weekend because Baylor we talk a lot of times about the elite teams in this conference or in the country and you want to talk about elite Baylor is the number one team in T rank with top five both offensively and defensively they're top five in both offense and defense in Ken Palm as well only second to Gonzaga and then Gonzaga as well as another team that's on a, on their own planet in terms of team rankings and whatnot. The other thing that stands out is just a sheer number of stats for their top 100 in. You look at offense, defense, offensive rating, defensive rating, effective field goal percentage on both ends, turnover percentage on both ends, offensive rebound percentage, three-point percentage on both ends, two-point percentage. I could go on and on and on. But the fact of the matter is, this Baylor team is really sound. Ryan, what are your initial thoughts in just looking at this team as a whole? Yeah, I mean, in a world where Gonzaga doesn't look like an NBA team almost, Baylor is far and away the best player, or the best team, rather, in the nation. I said this last episode that I think that there's two clear tiers at the top of college basketball right now. Gonzaga is just too good for them to be in a tier with anyone else, in my opinion, right now. Their offense just looks unstoppable. Um, but, I mean, right below them is Baylor. And this team is so good. They, they, they are so good. They don't have really much of any weaknesses. I mean, they don't shoot a ton of threes but they're shooting like 43% from deep right now, which is the third best in the nation. That's just ridiculous. I mean, if you look at like their top five scorers, all those guys are shooting 40% from three. That's incredible. They pass the ball really well. Uh, they have the fifth most assists per game in the nation. And then, I mean, their defense is what it always has been, elite. Uh, they force a lot of turnovers. They defend the perimeter well. They can switch everything. This is a really, really good team, and I'm interested to hear what you think about them. Yeah, I mean, I literally have, like, one weakness I can point out on this entire team, and it's really just that they don't get to the foul line a ton offensively. I mean, you look at some of their games, and you're talking about free throw rates under 20%. I mean, I don't even think necessarily that is a large enough sample size to draw tons of conclusions from. But, I mean, you've got to be a bit optimistic. I mean, like, they can't continue to be this good, right? I mean, they had one bad game shooting from three, right? And it was Iowa State. They shot 4-19. Still beat the Cyclones by 11. They have had games against Kansas State, against Louisiana Lafayette, against Washington, where they just look basically unbeatable from three-point range. You've got basically anyone that can shoot in that rotation that actually takes a number of shots from deep is able to hit the three ball at a percentage that Tech would be lucky to have. I mean, Jared Butler's a 43% shooter. Macy Teague's 
I mean, you've got all of these guards and wings that are above 40%. And ironically enough, probably their only inefficient offensive player might be the single most important player on the team and Mark Vidal. I mean, just looking at it, I mean, everyone in the rotation outside of Vidal has an offensive rating above 120. I mean, that's just really unheard of outside of Baylor and Gonzaga. And I think any other year and you would be like, Baylor looks like a national championship runaway team. And this year they're going to have to really play at a high level to be able to compete with Gonzaga. But that's a different story for a different day. But I think it starts with their guards, to be honest. You've got Jared Butler. Most people by now that are in the Big 12 circle know who he is. First team all Big 12 last year. He's been starting for three years. He was voted preseason player of the year above Cade Cunningham this year. And he initially declared for the draft last year. And in my opinion, should have been already picked, but he decided to opt out. And Baylor, I mean, as if they didn't need, they really didn't need him much, to be honest, but having him back just basically puts them way over the top. You've got Macy Oteague, who's more of an off-ball guard, still elite at what he does. And then you've got Davion Mitchell, who leads the team in assists. I mean, all of them shooting at least 40% from three. I mean, really, in all honesty, if the other two, like if you didn't have Butler, I think Macy Oteague or Davion Mitchell could be front runners for Big, Big 12 Player of the Year. If you didn't have Davion Mitchell, I think Jared Butler could be contending for National Player of the Year if he isn't already. And I think Teague could potentially be a lot better without one or the other. I guess that begs the question. I mean, you've got Jared Butler, who looks, in all honesty, like probably the biggest weapon on this team. But how do you think Tech should go about guarding their guards in general, Ryan? Three guards is an interesting dilemma, and this is now the third time that Tech has run into it, and they're going to run into it two more times this season. Um, but, I mean, when Tech was about to play Houston, I put out a tweet, and I was like, Houston has the best three-headed monster of guards that Tech will play this season, and, like, UT is the only one who comes close. And somebody in the comments was like, oh, you forgot Baylor. And I was like, oh, crap, I totally forgot Baylor. And I totally forgot, like, just how good their uh, backcourt is. I mean, maybe Houston has the best. Uh, no, I'd say Texas has the best offensive, like, guard trio that Tech will play. But, I mean, this this Baylor guard lineup, it's it's the most complete group of players in the nation, far and away. I mean, you have Jared Butler. He would have been a pick in the NBA draft, probably a second rounder but he would have been a pick. Now he looks like a clear, maybe just outside of the lottery talent. He's shooting 40% from three. He is an extremely good playmaker. Um, that's kind of where you run into a dilemma with him because you have to be careful about how you defend him because he's also such a good playmaker. And that's not really the case with UT or Houston. Like Houston has... Oh, goodness. I, I believe it's Sasser who's their really good. No, it's not Sasser. I can't remember. But one of their guards was a really good playmaker. And Texas, all three of their guards are ISO score, score first guards. But I mean, Jared Butler, he moves the ball so well, so effortlessly. And he doesn't even lead the team in assist. Like, that's crazy. Mitchell leads the team in assist with 6.4. Like, it's just crazy how many weapons they have. I mean, Mitchell is also just an ungodly good defender. He is an elite level talent. And then, like you said, Teague, I mean, he's a physical guy. He'll go and get some rebounds. And he's also shooting 40.4% from deep. Yeah. I mean, you could make the case that Davion Mitchell might be a top four or five guard in the Big 12, as crazy as that sounds, because... He's a really good playmaker, and I know a lot of people in draft circles last year considered him to be one of the best point-of-attack defenders as a guard of anyone. I mean, the film certainly checks out on that. And really, all of their guards are positive defenders. All of their rotation are, honestly, positive defenders. And, I mean, I've thought about it a lot. I think you have to be careful with helping too much in this game because the fact of the matter is both Butler and 
Mitchell are good at driving and both of them are exceptional playmakers. And that's an issue when you have guys that are shooting 40% all over the court from three. I mean, you, I mean, you really just kind of have to be careful with what you wish for in this game. I know that Tech has done a decent job of defending Jared Butler in the past. The last two games against him, he shot two of eight in the game in Lubbock. And then the game in Fort Worth, or excuse me, wow, game in Waco with um, without Mark Vidal, he shot only five of 14. And it was an inefficient 17. He had to work really hard to get those points. And so I think in general, like, I trust that Mark Adams is going to be able to put together a defensive plan that is able to at least make it difficult for those guys. But, man, on paper, it's difficult. And then, obviously, you have the offensive end. And if Tech if Tech has struggled at times against teams that may, maybe have guards that aren't quite as dynamic defensively, then facing a Baylor team that's aggressive, physical, and forces a lot of turnovers is not something that you want to have to do. But with that being said, they still have an interior, an interior presence in Mark Vidal. Vidal is really, like I said earlier, not the greatest offensive player in terms of efficiency. But in my opinion, he is the guy that kind of holds everything together defensively. Um, missed the last game and the, these two teams played. And you could really kind of see the impact of that. So kind of just, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Mark Vidal and what he brings to this Baylor team? Mark Vidal, uh, I guess I should label this as a hot take, but Mark Vidal, he, he kind of reminds me of like a Draymond Green type. Like he, he just does a lot for this team, um, a lot that shows up in different areas of the box score. Like he's not really a proficient scorer, averaging 5.2 points per game. He's a pretty good rebounder, averaging 5.3 rebounds per game. He passes the ball a little bit, 1.5 assists, and then he steals the ball a lot, just over one, and then he blocks the ball a lot, just under one. I mean, he just does so much for this team. It's it's really easy almost to overlook him, like if you're just box score watching. Like if you've never watched Baylor before and you're thinking, okay, I want to get familiar with this team, and you go look at their player averages, it's really easy to see Vital's numbers and go, uh... He's actually not that good on offense, it appears. He's not really doing a lot of production, but he is so important for this team. I mean, he just does so much, and then you pair him with a guy like JTT, who is just, I mean, he's such a good rim runner. He's really good at crashing the glass. He He's not really a great rim protector, but, I mean, this Baylor front court, it's no joke, and a lot of that is the way that Mark Vidal provides value for your team, even when it's not inside of the box score. So I think that Tech, you know, this is Baylor's identity, is winning the rebounding edge and out-rebounding you. And I think for Tech to win this game, you just have to compete. And I, I know that sounds corny, and I know it sounds cheesy, but I mean, like, like Chris Beard said on his fireside chat without fire on an airplane, like Mac McClung had missed a couple of box outs. That's not something that you want to see when you watch the film on this game, say Sunday, you want to see tech getting scrappy fighting down low, because this is just a team full of rebounders. And I'm telling you so much of rebounding is effort. It's finding somebody sticking your elbow or your butt into them and then just exerting effort. Uh, like that, that just goes to prove like why Marcus Santos Silva is such a good rebounder. Like he's an undersized guy. He's six, seven, but he works down low and he knows how to put himself in positioning. And I mean, that's what tech is going to have to do if they want to not really win the rebounding edge, because I'm not sure that they can. Well, I mean, of course they can, they could any night. I'm not sure it's likely, but if they want to keep it close, and I think that's what they're going to have to do, we're going to take a short break. But after that, Emery, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this Baylor front court. All right, we're back from our break. Emery and I were just talking about this Baylor front court that includes Mark Fidel and JTT, a couple of big energy guys. Emery, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on 
these two guys? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I've already kind of brushed on my opinion on Mark Vidal. I think he's one of the best players in the Big 12, despite his pedestrian stat line. I mean, you just look at, if you watch the film, it's not just really his like individual impact. For stability, he has to make sound rotations and constantly kind of be a step ahead of the offense. And I think that's someone where in the college game, you really need that to be able to build your to build your defense effectively. And it's not a one-to-one comparison. I don't want Tech fans to think that. But I think of his impact to this Baylor, game, this Baylor team a lot like you would see Justin Gray back in the day. Someone that maybe doesn't have the best stat line in any way, shape, or form, but if you take him off the court, you're going to see a noticeable noticeable impact in the communication and kind of the rotation quickness, and then just in general about kind of the effort and field plays that you see from Baylor. And as for JTT, you want to talk about effort. That's what he is. He's a great energy guy. The coaches, according to both press conferences and what Fran Fraschilla mentions about 20 times a game, absolutely love him as kind of their energy guy. He's a great rim runner, has a lot of dunks, and really good on the offensive glass. And as a team, I mean, that's something that Baylor really does well. I mean, you look at it, they have the sixth best offensive rebounding percentage in the country, and he's been at or above 14% on his rebound, offensive rebound percentage since his days at UNLV as a true freshman. And so I think he's someone that may get overlooked a little bit, as well as Flo Thamba to a lesser degree on this team. But, I mean, both Vital and JTT and Thamba are all going to be really big threats for Tech's front line. And I'm confident, I'm confident that Tech can at least stick with them on the glass because really, to me, I saw the Texas game as a little bit of an anomaly in recent times in terms of being able to rebound. In fact, I think this Tech team is about as good as they've been on the boards in a while, at least offensively. Now, defensively, it might be a little bit of a different story. But I think, in general, I mean, in order to go toe-to-toe with Baylor in this game, you have to be able to limit the glass opportunities for them. I mean, I think of it a lot like a game that Tech had in, in Lubbock against the Kansas team when Keenan Evans was hurt back in 2018. And they might not have walked out of that game with a victory, but they kept that game close in large part because they straight up had, despite having a size disadvantage, losing Justin Gray, having Yudoka Azabuki out there, basically corralling everything, they'd basically just hustled their way into that game. And I think you're going to need to do that in this one in order to really match the front court because, I mean, Mark Vidal's a really instinctive player. JTT is a great hustle player, and it's just – being able to control the glass and being able to match your energy is going to be so important. Um, and speaking of that, is, are there any players on the tech side before we kind of get into the predictions that you think are going to really be important to being able to do that? Yeah, I think that, again, this is just another game where you're going to have to get really good games from your best players. I mean, Kyler Edwards, he made shots when it mattered most last night, but I mean he's got he's gotta make shots this entire game. And I know I'm not one to be overly critical of him, but him making shots is gonna be big to keep tech in this. Um I think this game could also be a big time Kevin McCuller performance. I'm gonna talk about that in a while. Um but yeah, I mean Marcus Santos Silva, he's got to stay out of foul trouble again. And then really their defense as a team is they've just got to play well and rotate well and defend vital. Make sure that Baylor can't play make the way they want to. Make sure that Baylor can't get the shots uh, from three that they want to. You just have to be disruptive. You've got to have a street dog mentality. That that seems to be the motto right now. You've got to be scrappy in this game, not being willing to budge on any any rotation, anything. No possessions off this game. It's it's going to be a grinder, and they're going to have to grind. Emery, is there any final keys to the game that you think before we get into our predictions? Well, I think you have to run Baylor off of the three-point line. This is something that Tech actually did really well in their last game against them. 
I mean, if you look at the game, yes, it was a little bit different because Mark Vidal wasn't there. But they forced Baylor into shooting 27 mid-range shots in the game in Waco last year. And, yeah, Tech lost the game as a whole. But, I mean, that's really the only way you're going to be able to counteract with Baylor being able to shoot so well from downtown. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the rebounding anymore because I think that that's kind of an implicit uh, key because if you don't rebound, you're probably not going to be able to win much of anything in this conference. Um, but I think just playing Baylor, such a team that's so good offensively, you have to be able to force them into shots that they're not necessarily comfortable with taking. It's going to be a little bit harder to win the turnover battle. I know it's kind of not a traditional thing to say in a basketball game, but Baylor is a team that forces a lot of turnovers, whereas Texas played a lot of, I guess, more positional basketball, maybe still stout defense, but not in the more like hyperactive and aggressive sense. And so you might not be able to get such a points off a turnover advantage and fast break advantage that you were able to get against Texas. So yeah, just being able to kind of limit the three-point shots for Baylor. And then on offense, I mean, I think you have to have good ball movement and good player movement more than anything. And you have to have Kyler Edwards finding that right balance. I'm actually comfortable with the quality of shot that Terrence Shannon was able to get in the Texas game. I'd like him to take those same threes minus maybe one or two again. And I mean, you're going to have to have a good shooting game to beat Baylor. So I guess just hope those shots go down and continue to play your style of defense and really just kind of control your own game offensively, get good movement, good ball movement, be able to get it inside, draw some contact and win the foul game is what I would say. Yeah, that's a good point about Shannon. I think he was one for eight from three last night. Does that sound right? That's correct. He was one for eight from deep, which actually lowered his season three-point percentage by six or something like six percent to thirty-three. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I thought I thought most of those shots were good. I think there was one that was rushed late in the game, if I'm remembering that correctly. If that was him, and then I there was one that was like a couple of feet pretty deep. Um, But I'm with you. I'm all for him pulling the trigger because I think that shot has improved enough. Uh, to where he should feel comfortable shooting that shot. And it sounds like that's what his teammates are encouraging him to do, which is good because I really buy the prospects of him becoming a good shooter. And I also like what you said about ball movement. I've seen a lot of complaints about the motion offense lately, which is kind of funny because, I mean, when it's working, no, nobody complains because it's doing its job. But when it's not, tech needs to change their entire offensive scheme. But, I mean... That's whatever. That's just my bone to pick. I think the motion offense has looked good the past few games. I mean, really. I mean, players are moving well. uh, But what I would say is that the ball is not moving well. Uh, Just got to keep passing the ball. Got to keep moving it. Got to get it into the corners and then get it back out. Try and cause the defense to move. Remember, Baylor pretty much stole Texas Tech's defense. I'm not for bragging rights or anything, but... Baylor is essentially playing the no middle defense. You know, when you're playing against your own defense, just like you are every week in practice, maybe you'll be able to cut some holes. So I'm with you. I think just being confident with shots and moving the ball well will be huge for this game. So let's go ahead and let's preview this game um, on Saturday inside United Supermarkets Arena, 25% capacity. Roaring Texas Tech fans, I'm sure it'll be pretty loud in there. And you know what? Whenever Baylor comes into town, they will have had a whole week off. You may say fresh legs, but I'm going to say that Texas Tech is just riding momentum that Baylor doesn't have. I'm going with Tech in this game. I know that's a little bit of a hot take, but I, I feel confident right now. I feel like this team is in such a groove. I could see it going either way, but I'm going to take Tech. And a low-scoring bout, well, low-ish scoring, lower than last night. I'm going with Tech 67 to 65. It's going to be close. It's going to come down to Tech making open shots, not getting down early, and also uh, just limiting Baylor's chances from the perimeter. For my leading scorer, spicy, spicy take, I'm going with Kevin McCuller. 
there were points last night where you could just tell that he was making it his game. He he was not going to walk out of the, that arena with a loss. That kind of confidence, man. And also picking up the technical foul. I know I know Beard didn't like it, and as a coach, you have good reason not to. But he looks confident this season. He's doing stuff off the dribble. He's shooting pull-up jumpers. I mean, his offense looks completely renewed. Very, very hot take. Kevin McCuller gets his first 20-point game of his career. For Baylor, I'm going to go with Macy Oteague. I, I just love his game. I love his ability to make shots. Um, but I could also see this having Jared Butler's fingerprints all over it. Emery, I got Tech 67-65. to 65. Who you got? Man, I feel, feel like such a downer. I've got Baylor. I've got him 73-66. to 66. It's really not anything I think about Tech, to be honest. I think, in all honesty, I have more confidence that this would be a blip in the road than like a complete uh, reversal of fortunes over the last few games. Um, I mean, it's really just, I think Baylor is, at this point, at worst, the second best team in the country. I, I like you think Gonzaga is a little bit better. I mean, it's just, it's hard to look at all of the weapons and all of the things that Baylor excels at and see Tech pulling out. And who knows, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong about this one. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'm certainly, I've certainly been off about Kevin McCuller not turning into more of a lead scorer. Um, that's something that I will rightfully admit that I uh, maybe underestimated a bit coming into the season. Uh, I'm not going to pick McCuller to lead or Kevin McCuller to lead the team in scoring in this game. Not really anything to do with McCuller having a bad game. I think he'll kind of drop 14 to 16 on an efficient night. I just think you're going to see one of Mac McClung or Kyler Edwards step up and kind of replace that production on scoring. I'll say Mac McClung leads the team in scoring. I think he gets the most opportunities. I think he'll score the most. Um, I'm going to make a hot take, though. I think even if Tech loses this game, if we see Kyler Edwards come out and put together a game where he said where he has, say, another 15 to 18-point game on an efficient night, I think that bodes a lot better for the prospects of this team going forward than Tech really, like, no matter what the outcome is, than Tech having a game, another game where it just feels like Kyler is losing his identity offensively. Now, I mean, obviously you want the win and all that, and a win would be great, but I just think getting Kyler on track, even if it's a game where Tech loses in a close one, is something that I'm really looking forward to. And then on Baylor's end, I mean, I'm I'm going to pick Macy Oteague as well. I think Tech has done a good job of defending Jared Butler in the past. I think he'll certainly get his. I think he can have a huge impact, even if it isn't necessarily leading the team in scoring. Um, but I just have Butler being able to really put, or I have Teague being able to put things together and be efficient off the ball, maybe get a few foul shots as well, even though it's not something that he necessarily excels with. And I mean, I don't necessarily think he'll be, I don't think he'll be the most important player per se, but I do think he'll lead the team in scoring and have a big game. So, yeah, I hope I'm wrong about the score prediction. I really do hope Tech is able to pull this one out. And if they do pull it out, I am fully prepared to eat crow on this one. But that's just kind of my gut feeling is Baylor just has a little bit too much going for them in terms of overall talent and roster composition. So you mentioned that about Edwards and how you think that him having a big game would help. But let's give you a chance to redeem yourself here from the Debbie Downer squad. If Tech as a team, or let's let's rephrase it, what does Tech need to do as a team if they want to win this game? One big thing. If you could say one thing that Tech could do to win this game, what do you think it would be? I think getting to the rim a lot and shooting efficiently at the rim are the two things that Tech can really do to maximize their chance of the win. Because realistically, you're probably not going to win a shootout against Baylor. But, I mean... There should be something personal in this. I mean, you talked about how Baylor's stolen the no-middle no defense. I had say in about two years knowing – or two to three years knowing that tendency that we might see a Baylor analyst podcast called the No Middle Madness Podcast 2.0. But I think just being able to get to the foul line, being able to get kind of 
get those drive opportunities. It was difficult last year. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to do, but I think if you can get to the foul line, outshoot them there, then there's reason to believe that that can offset their shooting. Because like I said earlier, they're not necessarily great at getting to the line. I mean, they're certainly not bad at it by any means, and they're a pretty decent shooting team once they get there. But just being able to kind of create an inside presence through drives and even the kicks that would result from that is going to be important. I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not saying that this game is out of reach for Tech by any means. I just think, in general, if you want to win this game, you're going to have to finish in the paint, take smart shots, and play your game offensively. Yeah, I like that point. I guess I'll put myself in your perspective and think that Tech will lose. If there's one thing I think Tech could do to give them the best chance, it would probably be to stay either near or even in the rebounding edge. Going to be tough to do, but anything is possible, in the words of Kevin Garnett. It's going to be a fun game on Saturday. We'll be back sometime next week to break that down and also look ahead to the games in the coming days. Emery, is there anything you want to say before we wrap up? I just want to say that I started my uh, hot take career on this podcast, Zero for (laughs) One, with Tyreek Smith. Did not, unfortunately, he unfortunately did not have 10 points. He had zero points, but he played 10 minutes in conference (laughs) play, which is a good thing. And you know what? I think getting the win against Texas is much more important than my hot take resume. So stay tuned for future hot takes, because even if I go 0-4, as long as Tech's winning, that's a good thing. And I'm excited to see this game and see if Tech can continue the momentum. I mean, it's going to be tough, but I am really looking forward to how they match up with Baylor. Yeah, I don't even think Smith had a shot last night. So, yeah, the hot takes are burning down in the most fitting fashion. But, hey, we are now undefeated. 1-0 1-0 and when one of us picks against Tech. Did you pick against Tech against Texas? I know I did. I had Tech winning, so. Okay, well, then it was my fault. We'll see if they can prove Emery wrong in this one on Saturday. Should be a great game. Thank you all for listening. Um, the support on the podcast as I've been looking at our stats has been really encouraging. I'm, I'm grateful for all of you that are tuning in. If you could, just leave us a review wherever you listen. and retweet our tweets at no middle madness uh it would be much appreciated as we just continue to grow but again thank you for all your support and for listening to this episode we can't wait to get back and record for you again so have a safe week enjoy this game and goodbye